Well, tonight I want to talk to you about expectation and where our expectation is at and, and who, you know, like we, I read in the offering, and I actually hadn't even planned on reading that, and then, you know, the Lord gave me that scripture as we were in, um, in praise and worship. But to put our hope in God, yes. our hope in God, that's what we're to do. And not in this world, and not in the things that we see, not in our relationships, but in God. That's who we put our hope in. You know, a lot of the things tonight that I may, you know, the scriptures that we read and the things that I speak to you about are probably not new to you. They're probably something that you've heard before. But like Peter said, he said that he would stir you up by the way of reminder. And so that's what I'm going to do tonight. Stir you up by way of reminder, reminding you what the Word says about our expectation and where our expectation should be at. Um, let's start in Jeremiah 29:11. This is a well-known scripture. A lot of times we see this scripture on grad things, you know, because it's a great scripture to stand on, uh, you know, especially when you're believing God and saying, okay, God, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? What am I going to be? You know, and this is a good scripture to stand on in faith. But I just want to, I'm just going to, you know, pick out one part of it here tonight. So Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. To give you a future and a hope. God has plans for each one of us. Everyone here, God has laid out plans for you from the beginning of time, before you were born. Before the foundation of the world, the Bible says, He put into you giftings and He put into you um, a calling and what you're to do on this life. He's given you desires. He's put dreams in your hearts. He, he did that. He has those plans for you. And he said that he's going to give you a future and a hope. Another translation says, instead of saying hope, it says an expected end. God has an expected end. See, he's committed. He's committed to make sure that you get the expected end that you're believing God for. That's what God's all about. He says, if you expect it, you'll receive it. That, you know, that's just, that's a principle. That if you expect something, what you expect, you will receive. And so he says, you know what? I have an expected end for you. And if you'll expect it, if you'll learn what, you know, my will and my desire is for you, and you get on that path and you follow that path, that expected end that you have of all the promises that he has for you, he'll see to it that it happens in your life. Proverbs 23.8 says pretty much the same thing, but, you know, it says that a, a, um, two or three witnesses or, you know, let it be established. So let's, let's just read another one here. Proverbs 23, verse 18. Surely there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Surely there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Your hope cannot be cut off. You have a future. And if you put your hope in God, it will not be cut off. Now, if we put our hope in the natural, in the world system, there, you know, it will come to an end. But if we put our hope in God, it will not be cut off. You know, the Apostle Paul understood and he knew what it meant to expect or to put his hope in God. Um, Philippians 1 verse 20. I'm going to keep you flipping through ch a few chapters here for the first little bit. Philippians 1.20. You know, in the Apostle Paul, he was imprisoned. He was in a rough place. <laughs> and uh, I love his attitude because, you know, his attitude is what I believe, you know, partly what brought him out of it. Obviously, God had a big hand in that. But let's see what he did here. In verse 19, he said, For I know that this shall turn out for my deliverance. In other words, he's in prison, right? And he said, this is his attitude. I know that this is going to turn out for my deliverance. Or another word, another word um, that deliverance actually means salvation. In other words, I'm going to be saved from this place. Saved from this, like this prison. I'm going to get out of here. He said, For I know that this shall turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now verse 20. According to my earnest expectation 
and hope that I shall not be put to shame in anything. He said, I won't be put to shame in anything, but it's according to his earnest expectation and hope. His earnest expectation. So tonight, that's what I want to talk about, is our earnest expectation. I believe this is an important thing that we need to know. And you know what? Faith and, and hope are not the same thing. They're not. They're different. You know, let's look in, in Hebrews chapter 11. This tells us exactly what faith is. Tells us what hope is as well. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. You know, faith and hope aren't the same thing because I can believe something, but I may not hope for it or I may not expect it. In my life, I might know that I know, like in my life, I know that the word of God is true. Nobody will ever take, nobody will take that away from me. I know that God's word is true. But there's times in my life that, you know, I don't, my expectation is different than that. Why? Because of experiences that I've had in the past. And because of past experiences, sometimes my, my expectation is different than what the word of God says. But I know the word of God is true. For example, take someone that's been in a wheelchair for a long time. They, you know, and they've been in the Word of God. They'll say, yeah, I know that God wants to heal. I know it's God's will to heal. I know that God will heal everyone that, you know. But then you say, well, what about you? And they're like, oh, but I'm not sure about me. That expectation for them to heal them, for God to heal them, isn't the same as what the Word of God says. And so that's where we have to get that expectation to the place that the faith is at. And they go together. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is, now faith is, faith is now, right? It's not later, it's not past, it's now. Now faith is the assurance or the substance. Another word that you can put in there is the foundation. So now faith is the foundation of things hoped for. And the conviction of things not seen. So faith is now. Faith is the foundation. That's, that's our foundation. Our foundation, our substance, who we are, is faith. It should be. If it's not, then that's where it, sh- it should be. We should be. Our whole foundation of who we are and what we believe should be in faith. But then it says that then it says that now faith is the foundation or the assurance of things hoped for. Now, when we look at that word hope, I think we have to, you know, define it a little bit because there's a couple different definitions of hope. In the world, when you're out at your job, you'll hear people say, oh man, I hope that happens. But really, they're not sure, right? That's what, that's what they're saying. It might come to pass or it might not. Oh, maybe it will, but maybe it won't. Or, you know, I, I wish it would. That's kind of the, the world's definition of hope. But the Bible definition is much different than that. Because the Bible definition of hope is, when you look it up, it's confident, joyful expectation. It's a confident expectation. Confident in other words, there's no maybe in there. There's no, oh, it might, or I wish. It's no, it's a definite, yes, this is the expectation. So faith, what is faith? Faith, faith you know, is now. And it's, you're persuaded. It's a persuaded. Being fully persuaded is another way that you could say faith. So instead of saying now faith is, we could say now being fully persuaded is the foundation, is our foundation that hope or expectation stands on. Our expectation can stand on being fully persuaded. In other words, when we're fully persuaded about something, we expect. We can't help but expect because we're fully persuaded about it. And nobody's going to take us off of that. Nobody's going to move us from it because we're fully persuaded that what God said he'd do, he'll do. And because we're fully persuaded about it, 
then we have high expectations. There's no maybe or might. It's, it's a confident expectation of this is who God is. So we have to add our hope to our faith. A lot of times we have faith, but it's like our hope isn't quite where it needs to be at. Our expectation. And they go hand in hand. Uh, let's look at Romans chapter 8. Verse 24. So faith and hope go together. Wherever you see one, you're going to see the other one. Because So if you're in faith, then you have to be expecting or it have expectation. But if you don't have expectation for something, then you're not in faith because they go hand in hand. So verse 24, for in hope we have been saved. Now we know also, you know, where, like I said, where faith or where hope is, faith is as well, because by faith we are saved as well. But hope that is seen is not seen. So in other words, when you can see it, it's not hope. You're not expecting something. If I already see it, or I, you know, I've saw it already, seen it already, then I can't expect it because expecting something or expectation is in the future. And if I already see it, that's now. It's here. I see it. That's now. That's not expectation. Expectation is something that happens in the future. And so he's, you know, it, Paul says here, in, but hope that is not, or sorry, hope that is seen is not hope. In other words, if you can see it happening already, then it's already, you've already received it. That's not hope or expectation. For why does one also hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance or with patience, we wait eagerly for it. So hoping or an expectation for something that we haven't seen. It's something that we're looking for. We're looking for this to happen. But are we waiting for it, waiting to see if it'll happen? No, that's not faith. If it's going to happen, that's the Bible, or that's the, you know, the world's way of saying hope, right? Oh, it might happen. That's No, we're fully persuaded. We're fully persuaded that God's word is true. And we know that God's word is true, so we know that it's going to happen. That is expectation or hope. And that's the hope that we have to have alongside our faith. Now, you know, where it gets interesting is because it says here that if we hope for what we do not see, and it says with patience. So sometimes we're expecting something to happen in our lives, but it takes patience. And that's where the real test comes. Because the test comes is, okay, what if I don't see it, what I'm expecting to happen in a week or a month or even a year? What do I do? I keep waiting eagerly, looking for it, expecting it to happen. With God, there's no time. We're the ones that put time limits on things. And that's a dangerous thing to do when we say, oh, by this, you know, by this stage of my life, this is what I want done. Or this is what I want to accomplish. But when we put those time limits on our lives, we're just, a lot of times we could be setting ourselves up to be disappointed. Because it's God's timing. It's when God wants it done in our life. He has the plan. And we just follow His plan. And when we follow His plan, things will come to, pl- to p- place in His timing. So we wait patiently, but we're eagerly looking and waiting for the promise to come to pass in our lives. You know, Abraham is a perfect example of this. If you go back to chapter 4 in Romans, you know, he, he waited patiently, and he expected God to do what God said he would do. This is probably one of my most favorite scriptures or passages of scriptures in the Bible. I read this one a lot. It's marked up a whole lot in my Bible because it's so encouraging to me. Because any time that it seems like I'm waiting longer than I think I should be waiting for something to happen, I go to this and I remind myself of Abraham. And I remind myself how he stayed in faith, how he didn't waver from it, how he kept expecting God to do what God said he would do. 
verse 16 for this reason it is by faith by faith that it might be in accordance with grace in order that the promise may be certain to all the descendants not only to those who are of the law but also to those who are of faith of abraham who is the father of us all so you know abraham is known as the father of faith you know he's known as a father of many nations god even went as far to call him a friend of god this is who abraham was as it is written a father of many nations have i made you you know now, now imagine abraham he's like 75 ish years old when god comes to him and says okay abraham i have blessed you and i'm going to cause you to ha- to be a great nation i'm going to cause you to be a father of many nations and he tells him this plan and abraham's like you know wow <laughs> i'm 75 god you're telling me i'm going to be a father of many nations that means many nations that means i'm gonna to have to have some kids and i'm 75 years old you know why didn't you tell me this when i was 25 years old instead of 75 years old but god had a plan and god didn't do it you know god didn't do it in man's time but god did it in his time when it was god's time for this to happen god told him the plan and so he said i a father of many nations have i made you in the sight of him whom he believed even god who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist that is faith right there who gives life so what does god god does what does god do he gives life how did he do it he spoke it in the beginning god spoke into existence the very being of this earth of all of us of of everything he spoke it into existence therefore if he speaks things into existence what do we do we speak so even god who gives life to the dead in other words he does the impossible right because how do, how do you give life to the dead when the, they're already dead in the natural it's impossible to give life but god can do it with all things god with god all things are possible and not only does he give life to the dead but he calls into being that that which does not exist that's how he gives life by calling into calling into being that which does not exist and verse 18 in hope against hope that just encourages me right there in hope against hope in other words when there was no hope in the natural now i don't know about you guys but i know in my life there's been times that i've looked at a situation and i've went god this isn't even possible how is this gonna happen and i you know i just am reminded of abraham how he must have looked at the situation and went god this isn't even possible i am 75 years old and then he's you know at that point in time that's when he got told him the plan but then he was like 90 and then he's like almost 100 he's 99 when he actually when isaac is actually born so imagine he's 90 years old and he's still like god are you sure about this plan because i am 90 years old this is not even possible in the natural but it's in hope against hope when there seems like there is no hope god is on the scene when there is no hope god can give hope so in hope against hope he believed when there was no hope he believed even when there was no reason to expect anything to happen he believed and that's where we've got to get when when everybody around you says that cannot happen or that is impossible or you can't do that you say i you know what god has given me the promise god has spoken i am fully persuaded therefore i confidently expect god to do it because i know that he said it and god's not a liar and if god said it i know he'll do it and that's where you just expect it to happen and you might have to wait patiently but you look for it eagerly you're looking into the future you are looking for it to happen expecting it to happen you know we all have things in our lives that we're expecting to happen you know it might be with some someone in your family you know it might be in your own body for health or finances or whatever it is a relationship to turn around don't lose hope 
in those, circum- in those situations. Don't just throw it away. But keep that hope like Abraham. Even though it didn't look like anything was happening, Abraham hoped. He expected. So in hope against hope, he believed in order that he might become a father of many nations. According to that which had been spoken. That's a key. Because what do we expect? We put our expectancy, we put our, our hope in what God has spoken. In the word. When we put our hope in the word then we won't be disappointed. So he, he, he believed according to that which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. And without becoming weak in faith. That, that right there, that's like, I just want to attain to that. When I look at a situation and, and it looks like in the natural there's no hope for that to happen, but yet I don't lose I don't lose faith. I don't, I don't lose any ground. I don't become weak in faith. Abraham didn't become weak in faith. It says he contemplated his own body now as good as dead since he was a hundred, about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Sarah's 90. He's 99. You know, he's looking at his body going, I don't know how this is going to happen, God. You said I'm going to be a father of many nations. Can you just picture I, um, Abraham and Sarah walking into the doctor's office and saying, we need a checkup. And the doctor's like, why? Well, we're going to have some kids. And the doctor would be like, are you kidding me? Nope, that's what God said. God, God said it. I believe it. I'm fully persuaded by it. Therefore, I expect it to happen. Even when others around say, it's not going to happen. We believe. We're fully persuaded. Yet, with respect to the promise of God that, they would be, that he would be a father of many nations, he did not waver in unbelief. He didn't waver. It wasn't, okay, one day I'm going to be a father of many nations, and then the next day is like, oh, this is never going to happen. Well, you know, the next day it's like, yes, you know, I'm going to have a child. And the next day it's like, God, I'm too old. You know, that's, that's wavering back and forth. And God, you know, that's not what he did, though. It said he didn't waver in unbelief, but he grew strong in faith. Growing strong in faith. No matter what the circumstances are, we grow strong in faith. No matter what people say, we grow strong in faith. And we expect that what God said he'd do, that he'll do. So he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. When we are fully persuaded, we can't help but expect God to do it. He will do it. But we have, that's the key, is we have to be fully persuaded. And that's what faith is. And how do we get to the place that we're fully persuaded? The Word of God. We read the Word, right? We put the Word in, and, and we keep reading it and keep it before our eyes. And as we do that, we become more and more persuaded that, yes, this is true. Yes, this is what God said. Yes, God can do this. And we get, we get to the place that we totally expect it to happen. And being fully persuaded that what he promised, he was able also to perform. That's just who God is. But in hope against hope, when in the natural it didn't look like it could happen at all, Abraham stuck with it. He said, no, I know my God. I know I heard God's voice. And I believe it's true. And I expect it to happen. You know, it reminds me in 1 Kings um, chapter 18, I believe, if you turn there. Elijah. You, you know what? I'll, I'll just kind of tell the story. We're, we won't read it for time's sake. But, you know, God had come to Elijah and given him a word to speak to the, the king. And the word was that there would be famine in the land and there would be no rain for years. I mean, we know First Kings 17, we read a lot uh, for you know in the offering and stuff where elijah the you know god takes him to the brook sheriff and the ravens feed him because there was a great famine and then he goes to the little widow woman and she feeds him and you know that that's that time period 
And then in verse 18, he comes, God comes to him again. And he says, I want you to go to King Ahab and I want you to tell him now that it's going to rain. So in verse 41 of chapter 18, now Elijah said to Ahab, so he's already told him it's going to rain. He said, go up and eat and drink for there is a sound of the roar of a heavy shower. In other words, there is a sound of rain. I can hear that sound of rain. It's going to rain. Now, I can just imagine the people all around saying, Are you crazy? There's not a cloud in the sky. It is so dry. It's not going to rain. But Elijah's like, No, it is going to rain. There is a God spoke it. Therefore, I'm persuaded that it's going to happen. And I expect it to rain. And so then he goes on and he says, So Ahab went up to eat and drink. But Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he crouched down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now, look towards the sea. Right there. When you're expecting, you're looking for something to happen. When you're expecting God to do it, you are looking for a change. You're looking for evidence of it. And Elijah was looking for that evidence. So he said to his servant, Go, I want you to go look and tell me what you see. So the servant went and he looked and he said, There is nothing. <laughs> so he comes back and he's like, Ah, there is nothing over there. It's blue skies, they're clear, and it's dry. Well, Elijah didn't, he didn't go, Oh man, I must have missed God. Guess I didn't get that one right. And let's go home. No. He's like, no, I know I heard the voice of God. I know I heard God tell me it's going to rain. He says to the servant, go back and look again. So the servant goes back over, looks out at the sea, comes back. There's nothing. Elijah again, he says, no, go look, go look again. So the servant goes over there. He looks, nothing. Comes back. Uh, there is nothing over there. It is dry. I don't know what you're looking for, but there is nothing there. Seven times Elijah has the servant go and look. Now he was persistent. He was persistent. He didn't give up. How many of us would have given up after the first, second, third, fourth time and said, okay, I must have missed God. Uh, you know, I don't know. I guess I, I just didn't hear him and move on. But Elijah was fully persuaded that he knew God's voice, that he heard it. And he's like, no, I'm expecting this to happen. So on the seventh time, the servant went over there and he looks and he comes back and he says, there's a cloud the size of a small cloud or a cloud the size of a small man's fist or hand. And Elijah's like, well, praise the Lord. That's it. You know, he was rejoicing over this. And, and, you know, that makes me think, because some people would say, oh, it's just a small cloud. You can barely see it. it. It is there, but it's like a speck out there. You know, how many times are we believing God for finances or we're believing God for something? You know, let's say finances is like, oh, you know, you get 10 bucks and it's like, oh, but it's just 10 bucks. No, rejoice. It's evidence of what you're expecting God to do in your life rejoice in it and and you know what that's just the beginning of it the rest of it's coming or if it's you're believing he for healing in your body and it's like you know oh i don't have the pain today well rejoice in it because that's the beginning of the evidence of your faith we rejoice in it and so you know elijah said and so then elijah says to him and or in verse 44 and it came about at the seventh time that he said behold a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea and he said go up say to ahab ahab prepare your chariot and go down so that the heavy shower does not stop you prepare your chariot faith prepares faith prepares think of noah god came to him and said there's going to be rain Noah's like, well, what's rain, man? We've never even had rain before. Because up until that point on the earth, there was no rain. Everything was just um, watered by mist. And so they didn't have a clue what rain is. And Noah's like, okay, God, you're telling me that there's this rain, whatever that is, and you want me to build a boat. Okay, <laughs> I'm building a boat. Well, Noah prepared. He started building the boat. That's what faith does. 
he prepared to build that boat and he built it. And you know how long he, he waited? He waited looking, expecting what God had said to happen to happen. 120 years from the time he started to build the boat to the time that that first raindrop fell was 120 years. How many of you would keep waiting and expecting God to do it for 120 years? We'd all probably be dead by 120 years, but okay, let's say 12 years. <laughs> you know, but that really, these men of faith that are, we read about, they didn't just, you know, use their faith for a day and say, oh, it didn't work and quit. No, they persisted. They kept going. They were patient. They waited patiently, but they didn't give up looking for it or expecting it to happen why because they had faith and they were fully persuaded that god said he'd do it he's gonna do it so with elijah he didn't he didn't he was the same way he was persistent he didn't say after the second time okay let's go no he's like no let's keep looking for it let's keep expecting it now let's go back to romans i should have told you keep your place there but romans chapter 5 So we expect. So many people in this, in this life expect so little. It's like they get up every morning and it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to do the same thing. And they expect their day to be the same as it was the day before. But as Christians, we need to get up and we need to expect God to do big things in our lives. We need to raise our level of expectancy to what are we expecting God to do in our life today? When I get up today, am I expecting God to use me in a way that I've never been used before? Am I expecting God to bring someone across my path that needs encouraging? Am I expecting God to bring someone who needs healing and I can pray for them? Am I expecting God to do a miracle in my life today? Or am I just ex- getting up and saying, oh, it's just the same, I'm just doing the same that thing I did yesterday. No, we need to have that expectation. Need to be looking, at, watching for God's promises to come to pass in our life. Yes. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, by faith we're justified, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we are, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace. So we, we enter into grace, how? By faith, in which we stand. And we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations. Exult in tribulations. We're to exult in our tribulations. That's a, that's a lot like... Um, James one cha- chapter one verse two where it says count it all joy brethren when you you know fall or when you come across temptations and trials and tests count it all joy knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance or patience and perseverance proving character or another translation says experience and proving character or experience brings hope. And verse 5, and hope does not disappoint. Expectation does not disappoint. Romans 10, and I'll just read this to you, you don't have to turn there, but Romans 10 verse 11 says, for the scripture says, do we believe the scripture? I'll ask that again. Do we believe the scripture? Amen. It says, for the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. When we put our, God, our hope in God or our expectation in God, we will not be disappointed. So it says here that when we have tribulations, we're to exult in them or rejoice in them. Well, how can we rejoice in a, in a tribulation or a trial or a test? We rejoice because we know what God has promised us. We know that he's promised us to bring us through. That we won't stay there. That he promised to take us to the other side. And because we're fully persuaded that what God said he'd do, what he promised to do, that he'll do, that we are totally expecting with confidence that God will bring us through. That's why we can rejoice in tribulation. 
So we rejoice in tribulation, knowing that tribulation brings patience. Patience brings proven character or experience, and experience brings hope. And hope does not disappoint. It's the enemy that tries to, to bring disappointment on us. He wants us, the devil wants to keep us from receiving what God wants for us, the promise of God. And so the enemy is trying to steal our expectation. Because if we have no expectation, we have no hope, we have no vision, what does it tell us? People without vision perish, right? So we need hope, we need expectation, but it needs to be in God. Um, and so the devil, is he labors to basically frustrate our expectancy. How many of you have ever felt frustrated before? And, and when you're expecting something to happen and it doesn't happen, you get frustrated, right? That's the enemy. The enemy brings about that frustration. I looked up um, disappoint in the Webster's Dictionary. This is what it said. To fail to meet the expectation or hope of to frustrate. So a definition of disappoint is frustrated expectation. When our expectations don't come to pass the way we think they should or how they should, frustration happens. And that's the enemy. God does not cause frustration. Because he said when we put our hope in him, we won't be disappointed. So if we're, if we're experiencing frustration, then that means the enemy is having his way. If we're being frustrated with things and things not happening, then we just got to turn that around and get our expectancy back on God, get our hope back on God, because then we won't be frustrated or disappointed. Disappointment is a, it's a force of darkness that the enemy is using. And when we feel uh, disappointment, we can't just leave it. It's either Psalms or Proverbs, but one of them says, Hope deferred makes a heart sick. Deferred hope is disappointment. And it makes a heart sick. So we can't just ignore disappointment. We have to deal with it. And the way we deal with it, the way we get rid of disappointment, is we get, first of all, we got to get fully persuaded on what God said. And once we get fully persuaded on it, then we have to raise our expectancy. And expectancy, remember I told you that it was confident, joyful expectancy. That's what hope is, sorry. It's confident, joyful expectation. So when we're confident that God will do what he said we'll do, that's, that's how we get rid of disappointment. There's another way as well. If you turn to Philippians chapter 3, and the Apostle Paul, if there was ever a man that could, had to deal with disappointment, I would think he'd be one of them. I mean, this is a man who was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was left to die. He was in the deep for, what, three days? I mean, this man, he was imprisoned. I think he went through it all. And yet, look what he says in Philippians chapter 3. Verse 13. He's, he says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. That's the kind of attitude we have to have. In other words, he's like, I haven't obtained it yet. I haven't got everything that I could get yet. I don't know everything that I could know. That's the, that's the kind of attitude we need to have. But he says, But one thing I do, and this is a key to developing our expectation and getting rid of disappointment. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Forget what lies behind. Because disappointment is rooted in past experiences. That's where your disappointment is, is in things that have happened in the past. So the Apostle Paul, he learned. He learned how to overcome that disappointment. He learned how to raise and develop that expectancy in his heart. To know that God would do what he said he would do. And the way he did it was forgetting what lays behind or what happened in the past. And looking forward to what's going to happen in the future. 
Now there is one exception in Hebrews um, 10.32 and you don't have to turn there but the one exception is that he tells us that we need to remember past victories. So in other words, there's one exception to forgetting everything that happened in the past and that one exception is we're supposed to remember our past victories. We remember our victories and they encourage us. They bring encouragement. When I look back and I say, you know, I see how um, the enemy might have attacked me in one area, maybe in health or whatever. And I look back and I see how I overcame that by faith. That encourages me. I can look back to that past victory. And it encourages my heart to know. And it, and it gives me the, the courage to go on and to fight the battle. But Paul knew. He knew how to, how to overcome that disappointment. And he said, you have to forget what lies behind you can't continue dwelling on the things that happened in the past and expect to have an expectancy for what God's going to do for you. It won't work. You have to leave the things that happened in the past that were not past victories, you have to leave them there. And the reason why he tells us that is because he's saying you have control of your thinking. You can control what you think. And if you're going to continue to think about negative experiences that happened in the past, you will not have positive expectation. You'll have a negative expectation. So if I think, you know, say in one particular case, it's like, let's use healing because that's just an easy one to do. But I'm believing God for healing. And in, you know, it's like a week. I'm going to be healed in a week. And then I'm not healed in a week. Well, I can be disappointed with that if I allow myself to be. And so then I carry that disappointment to the next time that I need healing. And I think back, oh, but, you know, it didn't happen the last time when I believed God for a whole week. And it didn't happen. And I, and I take that past experience into the next one. Well, my expectation is probably going to be tainted by that. It will be tainted by that. And I'll have a negative expectation. And I won't have that expectation of what the Word says. That God heals all. That it is His will that everyone be healed. So I have to forget the things that lie behind. And I look forward to the things that, that um, are happening in the future. So we don't want to meditate on negative experiences. And the way we also raise our expectancy is... Let me. I heard. Um, who was it? I think it was Mac Hammond. I believe it was Mac Hammond. He said, "I'll just read it. What you think about is to your expectation, as to what you hear is to your faith." I'll say that one more time. What you think about is to your expectation, as to what you hear is to your faith. And we know Romans 10:17 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. We'll expect he's saying expectation comes by thinking and thinking and thinking the word of God. So when we think about the word of God and we we meditate on it and we keep it before our eyes, that's how we expect God to move. That's how we expect it to happen. But if we just dwell on what Paul said, forgetting the past, if we dwell on the past, then all we expect is what happened in the past. Because what you expect to happen is what's going to happen in your life. So if you expect to be healed because you're fully persuaded that God, it is God's will for you to be healed, then you will be healed. If you expect to walk in the blessing of God because you know that the Bible says that God has already blessed us in all spirit, with all spiritual blessings and you believe it and you're fully persuaded by it, then you'll expect to walk in the blessing of God. That's how God works. Amen? That's how he is. And that's how Abraham was. He, he expected. He knew who his God was and he expected God to move. He expected him to move. So tonight, I just wanted to encourage you to just raise that expectation. You know, don't, don't settle to just have every day the same as every other day. Because we're called a higher, a higher calling than that. 
We are called to greater things than just living an average mundane life that every other person around us lives. That's not who we're called to be. We're called to be we're called to step out into the things. And you know, it makes me think of Ephesians 3:20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think. That means we got to think big. We got to think big of what God will do in our life, and it's according to the power that works within us. The power of God is working in each one of us if we've asked Jesus into our our hearts. The power of God is in there and it's working in you. And it's according to the power that's in you that you can, by God's strength and by God's grace, you can do these things that God has placed in your heart. And, And you know, it takes me back to Jeremiah that we started with. The plans that God has for your life are huge. They're big. They're not average. They're not mediocre. They're not like everybody else's. They're big plans. And you have to expect them to come to pass. And don't allow the enemy to disappoint you and to frustrate you. Because if you have frustration, you'll never reach what God wants you to do. Because you'll stay looking at the things that have happened in the past. So we've got to let go of the frustration. We have to let go of the disappointment. And meditate on what God says about that situation. You know, if you heard God's voice, if God spoke to you and he gave a promise to you, then hold on to that promise. And just like Abraham, just like um, Elijah, don't let go and keep looking. Keep looking for the evidence of that promise to come to pass in your life. And even if it's just a cloud, a small cloud the size of a man's hand, if that's all it is, then rejoice in it. You know, how did Habakkuk, you know, we read in Habakkuk and all the things that he went through. It's like his cattle, you know, weren't reproducing. There was no money. There was no vines, no fruit or grapes on the vine. Nothing was going right. And what does he say? Yet I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. How could he say, yet I will rejoice in the God of my salvation when all of these things looked hopeless? When it looked like his whole income was gone. But he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord my God. Because he knew who his God was. He was fully persuaded that God would take care of him. He was fully persuaded that God would deliver him out of that situation. And he expected it to happen. He expected God to do it. And guess what? God does it. If you expect God to do it, he'll do it. But the enemy will come to try to throw a little frustration in there. To try to throw a little disappointment in there. To make you let go of that expectancy. To, you know, it's just like the enemy. You know, you're, you're waiting and it's been a week or two weeks that you're believing God. And, you know, the enemy comes up and he's like, you know, if that was God, don't you think that would happened already? Like how many times does he try to tell us that? Don't you think it would have already happened? No. God has the right time. And I'm supposed to wait eagerly in hope with expectation, so that's what I'm going to do. And how long do I how long do I wait eagerly for? Until I see it happen. When I see it happen, then it you know, I don't have to expect it anymore because it's there. It's now. So we expect We expect God to do big things. Don't let go of the dreams that God's given you. Expect them to come to pass. It's so easy sometimes to let go of them because we just look at it and go, well, I don't see how that's going to happen. I don't see, I don't see how, you know, my husband or my wife could ever, you know, come to church. I don't see how, uh, you know, my kids will ever serve God. That's frustration. That's disappointment. But God said that they would. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So we hold on to that promise. We hold on to that. And we say, no, this is what the word of God says. I'm fully persuaded by it. I know that it's going to happen. And I expect God to bring it to pass. And that's the cool thing is that God will just do it. Our job is just to expect it to happen. Our job is just to keep speaking it, right? That's part of expecting it to happen is speaking it. Just like Abraham said, he didn't waver in unbelief. 
He, you know, one day he didn't say, no, I don't think it's going to happen. The next day, oh, I think it's going to happen. No, he didn't waver in unbelief, but he grew strong in faith. And then he knew that he was fully persuaded that what God said he would do, he would do. And that's how we should be. Fully persuaded. And when we're fully persuaded, we're in faith. And when we're in faith, we can expect God to do it. Amen. 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 So don't let go. Don't let go of those things. And if you have let go, if you have, you know, let go of a few things that of promises that God has spoken to you, if you've let go of them or kind of put them on the back burner and said, I don't know, pick them up again. Pick them up again and say, and and find a promise in the word. Look in the scripture and find what the word says about it and hold on to that. And get yourself to the place that you know that you know that you know that you know that God's going to do it. And then expect it to happen. And don't let go of that expectancy. Whatever the enemy tries to throw your way, whatever he tries to do to try to discourage you to let that go again, don't let it go. Just hold on and remind yourself of Abraham. If Abraham could do it, for how many years? 25 years, 26 years he waited for Isaac to be born. If Noah could do it, who waited for 120 years for the first raindrop to fall, if they can do it, then so can we. And we can hold on to that promise and see it come to pass. Because if you don't expect it to happen, it's not going to happen. And that's why the enemy wants you to put it on the back burner, where you don't expect it anymore. Because then you're not speaking it. You're not in faith over it. And he wants that because then it won't happen. So pick it up. Expect it to happen. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. We'll stand to your feet tonight. Thank you, Lord. Expectation. I believe it was Mac Hammond said it's, he said, it's the key to the final, like it's like the oomph of faith. It's like that final step of faith is having that expectation. And so we don't want to let that go. We want to keep it. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that your word is, is alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. God, that you've come to encourage us to, to not let go of those dreams, to not let go of those things that you have promised us. But God, I pray that if there's anyone here tonight that has, has put them aside or dropped them or forgot about them, Father, I pray tonight that they would be stirred up on the inside to pick up those dreams, to pick up those promises, and God, to become fully persuaded of them that you promised it so you'll do it. And Father, I thank you that we'll continue to look, expecting, knowing that God, you want to do it in our life. I thank you, Lord God, that we will not be disappointed because we put our hope in you. God, our expectancy is in you. And when it's in you, we, you said in your word that we will not be disappointed. We won't be frustrated over it. I thank you, Lord God. I thank you, Father God, that you're working in our lives, that your word is working in our lives to change. From glory to glory, we're being changed. And I thank you that we are growing up into all things in Christ and that you are helping us in the name of Jesus. I thank you. Amen.